Hello, I'm Peter Bruce and welcome back to Podcast from the Edge, my weekly effort to make sense of what on earth is going on. And this week it's easy because I'm really struggling to keep up with the narrative strands around President Cyril Ramaphosa. Is he heading for a fall? Is ANC Secretary General Ace Magashule going to muscle him aside? Magashule has pretty much declared open war on Ramaphosa. The President wins NEC agreement last year that uh, ANC officials charged with crime should stand down. Then Magashule is charged with not one but a string of crimes and flat refuses to stand up. And now, as an independent panel led by former Judge Beth and Kabinde find there are good reasons to fire public protector Busisiwe Mkwebane, Magashule is warning that ANC MPs will not support her removal. How much can Ramaphosa take? He's always under such pressure. So I've asked a great colleague of mine from way back, now Deputy Editor of the Financial Mail and a former political editor of both Business Day and the Mail and Guardian to help me pick my way through the minefield. Natasha, Mariam, thanks so much for joining me today. I just wanted to kick off with an example of what the average South African news follower has had to digest in the past few weeks, not because I want to pick on anyone, but because of the the, the divergence of opinion is just so stark and so wide. It started about two or three weeks ago with Richard Poplack, the writer in Daily Maverick, describing the route by which ACE would dislodge Ramaphosa. Uh, and it was prominently used in their newspaper and on the website. And I know the piece unsettled a lot of people. He put a scenario with a special conference where ACE is able to topple a cautious, distracted Ramaphosa from his party position with backing from the branches. And presumably it would not be long before the current president is removed from the union buildings by, by newly won over NEC. And then it sort of became part of Maverick marketing. I get emails from them there. I was invited to imagine after the Poplack article to imagine for a moment what life would be like if ACE were to rise to the top and become president. How long would responsible media be allowed to operate freely? All of which, you know, you could wrap up and say, well, Daily Maverick, very colorful and all of that. But then um, a serious voice, and I don't mean to undermine the seriousness of anything else that Maverick does, but Ferial Hafiji uh, uh, joined the, the discussion, also suggesting that ACE was definitely now aiming for the presidency and was aiming right at Ramaphosa. And he, she tweeted a, a clip of ACE in Bloemfontein after his first appearance in court or his second appearance in court and says, this is a video clip uh, of supporters surrounding Magashule as he takes a ride around Bloemfontein, his stronghold, after his court appearance, standing up through the car's sunroof. The song is a praise song to quote my president, unquote. It is a clear signal that the rumors of his presidential plan are now out in the open. And then, Natasha, there's you in the FM last week with a, head, with a story analysis with the headline, Cyril's hand strengthens as RET faction founders. And you say uh, that he still chance, stands a very good chance of heading the party for a second term as things stand. Something's going on and I just <laughs> I want to understand what if you are to give advice to, to nervous readers, anxious, we're all anxious in South Africa pretty much all the time. What is happening? I mean, is ACE a real threat? direct threat to the president? It's not as binary as the RET faction and the Ramaphosa faction. Firstly, that's something that we all need to realize. Uh, the second thing is um, in the ANC, 
uh, when you get to an elective conference, when you get to an NGC, numbers matter. Uh, the, 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 your position, your numerical position in the provinces. Um, and I did a quick scan of the provinces and I've been following them quite closely, sort of behind the scenes. I mean, there wasn't anything massively significant to 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 pinpoint, but it looks like the RAT faction is is weakening in the provinces. Um, if you look at uh, KZN, I think KZN is uh, more significantly behind the president at the, at present than it was um, two years ago. I think um, Bumalanga, the the the, pres the, the premier in Bumalanga is under a lot of pressure. Uh, she has swung to the to the RET side. But um, and and her her very bold cabinet reshuffle last week um, was a sign, uh, you know, of stamping her authority um, because the chairperson in the province is um, is swinging toward uh, the, the 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 president's side. Um, you know, the, the Mpumalanga politics is quite is quite complicated, but Mpumalanga is an impo important province because it's now the second largest. Uh, the Eastern Cape is on on the president's side. Um, it, it, it's very marginal. You, you'll find like the free state sections of the Northwest that are RET um, strongholds. But, but numerically, I don't think, I don't see a groundswell of RET support. And that makes sense uh, this far into President Cyril Ramaphosa's uh, first term, because um, basically the patronage network around this faction has been suffocated. So, um, you know, patronage usually buys political favor, it buys political um, uh, support. And when that patronage uh, network is sort of, uh, you know, chopped off at the knees, this is, this was bound to happen. So that's my view on, on the broader political uh, strength of the RET faction. And you'll see it in who is visiting President, former President Zuma, um, Adam Kandler. You'll find it's the MKMBA, uh, it's the BLF. I haven't seen one proper ANC structure except for the Women's League going and visiting former and and uh, close us, but I mean, I mean a proper voting structure at an ANC conference visiting former President Zuma. So, um, also if you if you look at the kind of crowds that um, Mr. Magashule draws when he's in court. It's the kind of crowds that don't even know why they're there to a large extent. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm not believing the hype. Um, I think, I think the RET faction is most certainly a lot louder than than uh, any of the other groupings in the ANC uh, that that are or any of the other uh, emerging power blocks in the ANC. And I think that's deceptive. Um, if you look at the piece on on um, that that Richard Poplack wrote. It was a great. I mean, it's, he's such a fantastic writer. But there was there was a line in it toward in the beginning that spoke about uh, the biggest threat to our democracy. I think we've already the ANC has already given us a leader who was the biggest threat to our democracy in former President Zuma. Um, and I think if the ANC has not learned from his presidency, then it does deserve to lose the country in the next election. Um, but I think that there's a significant enough section of it. I mean, if you look at what David Mabuza did at Nazrek when he uh, decided not to go with the RET faction because because he was afraid that the ANC would lose elections if he does, um, that alone tells you that 
there is a, there's a significant amount of people, even people you don't expect that remains in the ANC that would still, that are still, you know, they probably care about their jobs and wouldn't want the party to lose elections. I get that. And, and you know, I think we often underestimate what a basically conservative country this is. Um, it's not, um, you know, we are not poised for um, imminent uh, revolution. We just don't do that here, I don't think. But does Ramaphosa have, in your view, um, you know, the, the standing among the branches to win another term? In other words, you know, even if he gets through the National General Council, which is supposed, which we'll talk about in a minute uh, later this year, um, or if he got through a, a special conference, does he is he is he sufficiently um, grounded in the branches to 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 win a second term at an at a an, at an elective conference? in, when is it twenty four? No, twenty three. No, it's the end of next year, is it not? End of, end of next year. It's the end of next year. Is there enough there for him to pull it off? You know, just what, so what will happen, and it's interesting, because by that stage, two things will have happened uh, to help him. One, we will have vaccinated pretty much enough people to to give the country relative level, relatively good level of immunity. And two, the economic recovery um will by then have more than kicked in and there'll be a noticeable improvement in the kind of national mood i suspect but what will what will depress the mood is the notion that you know um that there is huge political turmoil still to come and we don't you know we can't we can't second guess it or we can't predict it um and that's what upsets people that's why people don't invest and 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 stand back what what are his chances of a second term i mean you said you thought he had a good chance why do you think that i think i think because of the um fragmentation in the other faction yeah. uh in the ret faction in particular also um the 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 ret faction is not his main opposition i don't think i think there's there are emerge there, there's a realignment of of the of of factions in the ANC, and I think there's an interest, interesting moves around the Treasurer General uh, Paul Mashatile. Um, there's some interesting moves around Lindiwe Sisulu, although they're destined to fail. I doubt. I mean, I doubt she she has a shot. Um, you know, given her performance in the last in the last conference, but but I think if the if we had to go to an elective conference tomorrow. Um, the president would get a second term, but I think as we get closer to next year's conference, all of these factions are going to uh, are going to st start becoming clearer, and all of these interest groupings. And it depends. I, I don't think uh, the president will by then have the bra enough branch support. I think it's going to depend on, um, like it did at Nasrek, uh, like groupings, um, different groupings, pushing, agreeing on a particular candidate, and coming to you know, and 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 saying okay. Let's the president started this work. Let's give him a second term to complete, and then we'll we'll um, you know have a proper succession plan for the next conference. It's like for me, that's what I'm hearing. The, the, that's the talk I'm hearing more than uh, talk of you know. Let's just pull the rug from out of under the president and 
start from scratch uh, and you know or let this RET faction take over again. That's not uh, that the sense I get is that there will be more of a orderly uh, take a handover of power this time around. You you raise you raise the name of Paul Mashatile in there, and it's very interesting. I mean, he's clearly an ambitious guy. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about him. I mean, where does he stand ideologically? My impression of him has always been that he would be slow business, quite uh, fiscally conservative. You know, he's had a couple of run-ins with reckless spending when he was a provincial politician, uh, but that was a long time ago. Where is he? Where is he now? Do you think politically? I think Paul. Uh, it, it's interesting. You know, when you ask him to describe his politics, he calls himself a Democrat. Mm. Um, for me, that's quite unusual in the ANC. Um, you know, it's often like a socialist or a, a, a more left orientation. But but Paul out, outwardly describes himself as a Democrat. I think he is quite pragmatic. I think he was a lone voice against Jacob Zuma, uh, speaking out against Jacob Zuma for many years um, inside the ANC. Whether he has what it takes to be the president of the country as yet, I don't know. Um, I, I have yet to see. You know, he he's on, he served as a premier for a very short time in 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 the Gauteng province. But um, I think the way I think the way Paul is positioning himself and the way he positioned himself during Nazrek that elevated him to the to the treasurer general position is probably um, the way. You, it's probably going to be the way the future conferences are going to be decided. So. He, you know, from the beginning, he saw, he saw himself as sort of the chair of chairs. I don't know if you recall that uh, that period where there were blocks, uh, the nine chair, the, the eight chairmen of the nine chairmen of the provinces that formed this block, and they used to meet. And he saw himself as the chair of chairs. Um, so that's, you know, his background is one of, you know, where he tries to position himself, in, even though his province is numerically insignificant well or numerically small um he tries to position himself as a negotiator or as a power broker um if, which is what he did at nasrec which is why he was elevated into the position of treasurer general um so i think paul is going to be interesting to watch uh, going forward i don't I, I i don't know whether he has designs as yet on being the president in 2022 I would say that the, the the conference after that, which is more is more likely. Um, I don't I don't see uh, David Mabuza wanting the presidency. I, I I just don't know why. From the time he became deputy president, I couldn't see it. Um, yeah, I agree I, with you. Yeah, I don't. What about what about um, Israeli Mkhize? I mean, I know I remember um, going to a, a dinner, and you might well have been there at the time. In about 2017, before before the, the before the elective conference, he clearly said at the time you'll remember that he wanted to get back into the top six, which he failed to do, and it just left me with an impression of a man still with a lot of ambition. And of course, the the coronavirus uh, pandemic has been um, a great sort of showground for him because he's been able to, you know, get things right or or, or look like a leader and, and get a lot of publicity, he must, he must surely have some, he must have more political ambition. He does, I think. Um, I think after Nasrek, he, you know, he was very much on the, on the unity 
uh, ticket, um, if you if you recall. And I think Zueli is going to be very interesting to watch going forward. I mean, the latest scandal over his um, communication assistance and the, the contracts that they've been receiving from various departments that he's been with, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and, and how much of an impact that will have on him and his momentum. So he, he's building quite a profile um, during the pandemic, as you said, Peter. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, he's, if he does make a comeback into the top six in the next conference. Um, what's, going to be, what's going to be interesting is whether Sishle uh, Zikalala from, from KZN, um, you know, whether he decides that he wants a shot at uh, entry into the top six because there's been a lot of talk around that. He's, there's, there's even talk that the, the president um, has been sort of grooming him and wanting him to, you know, to sort of be elevated into, into um, national politics. So that's going to be very interesting to watch because which one of these uh, very strong uh, KZN politicians um, d does emerge in, in the next conference. Yeah, on the other side of that question about who gets in is who who gets out. How on earth do you move uh, Greta Mantasha out of, um, you know, out of that um, top six? It would be, I would have thought, quite um, quite difficult. As this year unfolds, just just help us understand what what the sort of milestones are in this year. Ace Ace goes on trial in August. This is our legal system being in a real hurry to get, you know, the country's biggest problem out of the way, um, delaying the trial by so long. But uh, the, the, the prosecution claims it has a trial-ready case, so that there should be no delays in that, provided they don't keep adding charges to it, which, which they apparently are doing now. So that's the end of August. Then there's local government elections. I don't know when, if you know when those might happen. And then there's an ANC National General Council, which is this big meeting, policy meeting that they have between elective conferences. What happens in what order and what is the significance of each? There's also Jacob Zuma himself goes on trial um, in May, I think it is, uh, on the old arms deal charges. Yes, yeah, I think that's going to be our first uh, big big political event, um, the May charges against Jacob Zuma. Of course, we're going to find out whether he's going to face, uh, act whether he's actually going to go to jail over the, over his um, contempt of court uh, charges. Um, that's, you know, the, we, we saw that Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo wants him to face a two-year jail sentence over his defiance of the constitutional court in compelling him to appear before the commission so there's still that milestone that we've got to get through um and then and then and then of course it's his corruption trial i think for me the most ex the most significant political event from the from all of those will be the 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 local government election um what you know it's going to be another test for president ramaphosa if he can you know make sig a significant enough progress on both the economy as well as uh, the vaccine rollout by then. Um, we'll see, you know, the, the, the political sentiments toward his administration start to improve a little bit. Um, we're looking at a November election. That's pretty much what everybody seems to be saying. Um, there isn't a, a firm date as yet. Um, so, so, I, so I think for me, that's the most significant event. But 
before that, um, and likely before uh, Ace Makashule goes on, on trial, will be the National General Council um, of the ANC. They haven't set a date as yet, but um, now that it's we are back at level one and um, political gatherings are allowed, we're very likely to see momentum toward that NGC building up. It's actually, uh, the ANC is actually having weekly discussions on policies that they are going to be uh, mulling over at that NGC already. So, so we are building up toward that. Um, the NGC is significant uh, for the RET faction because there's two things they want to accomplish. Um, either push for a special uh, conference, a special national conference of the ANC. Um, that was the talk when we, when the ANC was going to have the NGC last year because it was it was supposed to happen last year. Um, but and and they were they were very adamant the RET faction that they would push for a special conference to remove. President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa. I don't think that there'll be any such push um, a, a year before this, the, the national conference. If there is, um, you know, you could very easily uh, shove aside that argument and say, we're going to a local government election. Why would we, are we going to a conference next year? We, why would we need a special conference? Um, the other the other decision that they'll, the other thing that they will push for is to weaken the president, to use the CR17, funding issue to in an attempt to politically weaken him. You cannot remove a president at an NGC. So there's not they, they won't be able to do that. Um, I, I, I don't I, I think barring a, a, an argument for a special conference, I don't see much that they could accomplish. Um, we've seen that the ANC is pushing ahead, putting an electoral commission um, into place to run its elections and to run its delegate selection um, and issues such as that. So Removing Ace, uh, Ace Makashule stepping aside, uh, you know, if, if he does step aside or if he is removed by the NEC, they could use the NGC to then attempt to do, to pull a 2005 uh, NGC move uh, that, that, you know, the same thing that happened with Jacob Zuma where he was um, returned to his post as deputy president of the party in that NGC. Uh, we could see something similar play out, an attempt by that faction to do that at the NGC, but it all depends on what happens in the next at the next NEC meeting and the decision on the step aside uh, rule that that actually emerges at that meeting. So when does that occur? When is that meeting held, and and how will we be able to read the winners and the losers? Well, the I think the next. The, the the next NEC is for it's in a month's time. Uh, I think it's in March, um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the exact date. Um, and basically, there were this is this is where it gets really confusing. The president was very clear in his um, a, a closing address at the NEC that the the guidelines adopted for the stepping for stepping aside once you're um, facing corruption charges has been agreed to by the NEC of the ANC, whereas Ace Magashule outside court told journalists that it has not been agreed to and that branches are, are mulling it over. So um, at the next NEC, we will probably get a sense of what the actual position was. But my sense is that, um, you know, the, the president opens his uh, closing address to the NEC in order to avoid this kind of confusion because We've seen Ace Magashule go out in the past and give a completely different version of what happened inside the NEC to the public and to, um, to journalists once, once those decisions have been taken. 
So um, I think we'll have we'll have a sense of whether the NEC. We know that Esmagashule is not going to step aside. We'll have a sense of whether the NEC is going to suspend him at the next um, at the next NEC. That's my opinion. Uh, I, I I believe that we might see uh, a discussion at least on on that eventuality take place at that NEC, and um, I think that's when we'll really know, uh, you know, how strong the president and and the the forces against our, the RET faction really is at, after that NEC. You know whether there's uh, been you know the realignment has significantly swung against the RET faction. I think it's it's going to be a very decisive NEC meeting. But Natasha, you don't expect this coming meeting to result in an actual departure or yet. So you would you'd be looking rather for a firm statement of principle by the NEC rather than the disappearance of Ace Magashula from public life. Yeah. I, Peter, if if we look at the, the Zuma presidency, it was only after he became, um, after he was no longer an elected president of the ANC uh, that he could be removed. It's a very yeah. difficult thing to remove an elected official. Yeah. Um, I think I think we, we make really light of it, like, oh, they must just, like, chuck him out. He's an elected official. It's very difficult to do that. So you, what what we could see is an NECU goes, well, um, we 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 take a firm decision that you should be suspended because you do not want to put the party first. But we will allow the National General Council uh, branch delegates to decide your fate ultimately. Yeah. Um, that's a possibility, in 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 my view. And just just tell us again. So at the National General Council, which is a statutory meeting. Can the NGC decide to hold a special conference? Or, yes, it, right. it can. So it can take a decision. So, so the holding of a special conference would be a real setback if it ever were to happen for Sir Ramaphosa. Yes, it would. But I don't see it happening. Yeah. The, the local elections, as they begin to approach, what is what is Ramaphosa's job? Does he have to improve... Um, on the on on the last election, what did they get? About fifty eight percent or so, um, I think, of the national vote in the general election. Uh, I don't know what I can't remember what comparisons people make between local and general elections, but but presumably he's got it. He's got to stick. He's got to try and keep the national vote, in, in as much as it is a national vote, above fifty percent at least. Yes, I think so. I think he he will have to do that. What's what works in his favor at the moment, Peter, is the weakness of the opposition. Um, and that, you know, the, the implosion of the DA, um, it's steadily trying to rebuild itself. But um, that, as well as, um, you know, the, the, the political bereftness of the EFF, uh, you know, the fact that they don't have a, a real political um, sort of platform at local level, at least. They don't. They don't, there's no evidence that they can deliver at local level. They've only been power brokers, and I foresee that their role will continue to be power brokers in this election. Um, the, uh, the biggest threat to, to President Ramaphosa in this election is the stay away, the uh, voters staying away, not necessarily opposition parties. And the ANC would be looking to, to President Ramaphosa, obviously, to show up its, um, 
performance in the upcoming elections. It's got a lot to lose. Uh, those those metros, um, the eight metros uh, that, you know, it lost three of them in the last election. It's got to fight really hard to get those metros back. Um, the opposition performed quite dismally in those metros in the last term. So it really is, it, it really is, um, you know, the possibility of, of the ANC winning it back um, is there for for President Ramaphosa if he if he does deliver if he uh, that's why I said in my column that delivery is key for him and if he does um, you know deliver those metros back to the ANC I can't see him being weakened I can't see that weakening him politically it'll only strengthen him and it'll only strengthen his hand going forward to win a second term in the, uh, as ANC president and and also potentially to shape. The ANC and leave a lasting legacy in in this reform project that he started in 2017. So basically, what he has to do is take uh, Johannesburg and Chwane stroke Pretoria back to to really be able to stamp his authority on the party and to secure himself uh, a second term. I mean, the ANC, as much as crazy it can it can sometimes seem, Natasha isn't isn't beyond normal analysis it will behave rationally um at some stage of the sort of political cycle i presume eventually it does we've seen it in the past peter yeah. it takes forever though yeah. um and 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 it takes a lot of knocks before it eventually does um but yeah it eventually does and you know for me i think the biggest mistake the anc made in this last uh, local election term if you look at 2016 to now is take over the retake over the running of the city of Joburg. They really shouldn't have. Um, they should have allowed the opposition to 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 keep running it because now um, they've taken taken it over and and the, the Joburg has just gone from bad to worse. Yeah. So now they they're starting off from a really really bad place um, in in campaigning for this for this election. So so I, I think there's there's a lot of work for for President Ramaphosa to do, but I don't think. I think the the noise that the RET faction makes is noise. It, a lot of the time, it is just noise. Yeah, the reform the reform legacy you're talking about. I mean, it's only just very faintly beginning to take shape. It you know because there's so much that's gotten the way ANC infighting and bad luck with the virus and um, you know weak economy generally and and the Zondo Commission has been slow. So he's never really got to. But how? To, to actual, you know, real reforms. How is, is he strong enough to do it? I mean, is he strong enough to get Gwede Mantasha to do what the reform plan says should be done with energy and, and mining, come to think of it? Is he strong enough to get his post-telecommunications minister, who's a kid uh, by Gwede's standards, to do what she needs to do to get the digital migration done? I think he is, but he doesn't seem to think he is. I think he's he holds back. He he always says he does. He he governs by consensus. Um, I don't. Th I don't. I think if he had, if he called, you know, his ministers in and say uh, and said, I want this done and it's got to get done. I think I think he'll have a, a very different result to this very roundabout way and leaving them, giving them a lot of rope and um, having performance uh, monitoring processes in place before that. And then having a discussion with them, you know, it, that that would probably work in normal time and in ordinary times, and in a country where you know we haven't just been on the uh, we're not on the other side of a decade of state capture 
and, and looting and erosion of the state that might have worked or that probably will work, but it, it doesn't work now. We practically in a, we are in a state of disaster. Um, we were before the pandemic. Yeah. So everything, everything for him, everything for him is a political calculation, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Peter. It's, it's, and, and, you know, I actually pity him because, because he's judged whatever he does, um, you know, whichever way he, whichever way he swings, he, he will be judged. That's why he should just, uh, it should just be his own, you know, his own route and his own path. Natasha, we're going to, we're going to finish after you've answered this question. And I just want to briefly stick in something here on the, on the democratic alliance, because it's beginning to be round about the sort of time where we can take the measure of John Steenhuisen as a party leader. Um, and I wonder whether where you think that he is. He gave a big interview to the Sunday Times week before last, uh, led the paper, which then led to a complaint to the press ombudsman um, and all sorts of backpedaling and blaming. And But nonetheless, I thought there were there were elements of the interview that were really positive for the DA. And even in the even in Steenhuisen's response, I wasn't really impressed with the other responses that came out of the DA after the Sunday Times article. But even there, although he seems to have kind of come under pressure or put himself under pressure to to distance himself for the, from the way it was reported, he seemed to be at least putting his chief whip voice into the sort of back into the drawer sort of thing and beginning to find a leader voice. Yeah, he... It seemed it seemed to it seemed the case in that Sunday Times interview. It's a pity uh, afterwards um, they've had to backpedal so significantly. Um, and then you know I, I I kind of felt the way you did, Peter. I was I was quite impressed when I read the piece. But um, then they had a pod. The DA held a podcast yeah. where um, Helen Ziller, as well as John Steenhuisen, spoke to uh, I think it was the spokesperson or Siviwe. Um, about this realignment of politics. It was almost like um, Helen Zilla had to step in to correct the narrative, uh, which makes me wonder how much of a leader John is if, 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 if that's the case. And, and if you look at the, 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 the realignment narrative, that is Helen Zilla. That is what she's been saying for, for years. I remember when I was working, um, my first interview with her when I was at the Business Day, she spoke about uh, when when you were the editor, she spoke about this political realignment. So I worry that that John Steenhuisen has not fashioned himself as his own identity as a leader a, a, apart from Helen Zilla. Um, so just very lastly, I mean, he needs he needs between now and those local government elections in November to have firmly made it clear that he and not she run, is running the party and its policies and its narrative, and that he draws the lines and not her. Yes, yes, he does, Peter. Um, but I don't, I don't see him doing that. Um, if, if I mean, if just this incident is is anything to go by, where Helen had to come in and help correct uh, the way that her vision for future politics has been put across by the leader of the party, then I don't, I don't know if there's much hope going forward. But but let's see what happens. Um, and and you know the the DA's got to continue its governance record, which has taken a massive knock since 2016. Yeah, he's got to get that right as well. Well, we de we desperately need a strong DA and a strong opposition. There's no question about it. And it's and it's done. It's had a it's had a you know very 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 good 
effect on our politics um, uh, in the past, and I hope that it somehow finds its way back uh, to the sort of center or center right or wherever it wants to be. But Natasha, Marianne, thank you so much for joining me today, and thank you for all your insights and your measured judgments. And um, I'll see you soon. And to um, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did. Um, uh, don't forget that this podcast is available on the Financial Mail website as well as on the Apple, Spotify, and Iono platforms. Yeah, I'll be back with you next week with another very interesting guest trying to explain something else very simple to to me, which is the way I like it. And we'll see you. We'll see you soon. And again, Natasha, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Peter.